Welcome to Let's Talk Memoir, a podcast for memoir lovers, readers, and writers. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today, my guest is Jamie Gehring. She is a Montana native who grew up sharing a backyard with Ted Kaczynski, the man widely known as the Unabomber. She was featured in Netflix's Unabomber, In His Own Words, where she discussed her family's role in Ted's capture. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. I am really happy you're here. And I guess we we started cooking this plan up in March, in March of 2022, when I met you in person at AWP in Philly. Yes, we sure did. I mean, we have been, as they call, like internet friends for quite some time, but it was so great to meet you. And yeah, I I was very much looking forward to sitting down and chatting with you. Me too. And actually, it was funny because your book had not yet come out. You were getting ready to publish. I think you must have been, was it a month or two away? Yes, I believe I was a month away. Yes, and we were talking a little bit about, you know, the pre-sales and the publicity, and you'd already had a pretty good amount of attention and a feature, I believe. Was it in Glamour, or am I making that up? You are very close. It was in Elle magazine. Okay, which I was just stunned. I was so impressed and excited for you. And you just got back from the Montana Book Festival. Can you talk a little bit about what you were doing there? Yes. So I was invited to the Montana Book Festival this year to host a few different panels, but it was, it was incredible. It was such a just wonderful experience because I got to be so close to the place in which, you know, my story really resides in. And so of course that brings up all sorts of emotions, Hmm. but I, I got to, um, I got to introduce Ron Frenzel, who is the author of 18 books, but his latest shadow man, um, was just really wonderfully written and Hmm. such a powerful story. Um, so I got to moderate his panel and have really (laughs) just, really in-depth conversations about true crime and then Mm. specifically you know for me intimate true crime which I hadn't even heard of that term nor had I until you just said that (laughs) intimate true crime so we'll have to dig into that is that is that kind of the genre or category you would be in at this point so yeah like I said I've never even heard it never said it I mean (laughs) I I talk about my book as a braided memoir which we can we can talk Mm -hmm. about further Mm -hmm. of course but um, when when Ron um, introduced my book as intimate true crime, and <laughs> and that's what he refers to as, you know, a, a true crime story in which the author is actually a part of. And mm. yeah, so I hadn't even thought of it before, but it's spot on. Mm-hmm. So it was it was just it was fun to to chat, of course, with him. And then I I led a panel with Kima Waterfield, the author of Inside Passage, which is a, an incredible book, yes, by the yes, way. Yes, yes. And, you know, we were able to talk about memoir, craft, content, and the struggle with self with with other authors as well. And that was my first time really talking about craft and hmm. kind of my, um, you know, everybody's like so interested in the actual the book that I wrote yes. and my story. And so it was so wonderful to be able to share 
you know, just like little nuggets of mm-hmm. what the, the knowledge that I found along the way that I wish I had known or somebody had told me mm-hmm. when I first started. And so um, I didn't expect that to be so fun and so rewarding, but it really was. And then the following day, I was able to, um, uh, my name was on the marquee of a theater for the first time in my life, oh which my was, gosh. <laughs> was really oh. cool. The movie Ted K was shown at a theater there in Missoula, Montana, and I got to introduce it and kind of set people up to understand what was different aesthetically, what was the same, and as as well as factually, and and just and just let them know kind of what to look for in the movie. And I did a a very short reading on a scene that was inspired by true events but was different in my book and so um that was that was a really wow that's that's amazing did you ever did you ever even imagine I never imagined and it's wild because it wasn't even my idea it was the the festival they they came to me with it and it, it was funny because it's a movie that I had watched and, you know, that it's actually filmed like on my family's property around there wow. where, where Ted's cabin really was in Lincoln, Montana. My family home I grew up in is actually in the movie, um, mm. which by the way, like is such a roller coaster of emotion yeah. when I'm watching it. Um, yes, I, I just realized we need to talk about that too. It, I hadn't planned on talking about that, but listening to you describe that, I realized as a memoirist and as a writer and as a person, as a human being, how intense those emotions must be. So we'll definitely we'll definitely dive into that as well. I think that's a really important component of writing a story like this or any memoir story. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And yeah. When I had watched the movie, you know, I'm sitting there with my husband and of course I'm vocalizing the things that (laughs) are a little more Hollywood or a bit different. And I never guessed that I would be able to stand in front of a theater full of people and talk about that. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was empowering for me to be able to tell, you know, my side, I suppose, of the mm-hmm. story, the story behind the story that they just watched. And there were so many questions mm. from the audience. So yeah, it was it was wonderful. It was I can a really... imagine. I mean, I bet you they just loved having you there. Yes. And I got then I got to sign my book and people mm. got to read my book and they're already, you know, emailing me and um, messaging me on Facebook and Instagram to let me know how much they're enjoying it and how great it was to, to meet me and to see the movie and, you know, to to really get the all the layers of mm. this story. Yeah. So it's it's not only that you have this writing community, which you got to commune with at the the writing conference but at the festival but you also get this new reader community that so appreciates your perspective so I can imagine I just your heart must be full 
It really is. I, I had said to to a writer friend, my my literary cup is so full right now. It really is. Yeah, I feel like there's an essay in there, Jamie. I feel like you, you can like capture it a little bit there for all of us because we won't all of us be in this position where there are movies, there's both documentaries and movies, you know, narratives about something that we were involved with or that was peripheral to us. So let's let's go ahead and can you share a little bit about your memoir for listeners who haven't yet gotten to it? Absolutely. So my memoir, like I mentioned, is technically called a braided memoir, and it's a little bit non-traditional in in its genre, but it is my story of growing up in rural Montana and those experiences that I had weaved in with the story of my neighbor, Ted Kaczynski, AKA the Unabomber. He was Mm -hmm. the longest running domestic terrorist in United States history. Mm -hmm. And in addition to those two things, it is also our interactions, our relationship together, and my family's interactions, as well as I, I went beyond what I knew and what was personal to me, because I felt like it was so important with this story to really share the 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 entire the entire narrative, not just mine. And so I went to the arresting um, FBI agent. Max Knoll on the Unibom case, and I was able to go to San Francisco and sit down with him and interview him. And also uh, Ted's own brother, David Kaczynski. So it, it is truly um, a very unique uh, book and project because of the braiding and all of these different storylines coming in together as my own and in my own voice. Mm-hmm. So it's made up of research, journalism, and personal memories. Those are some of the, the major braids, right? Exactly. Okay. So I, first of all, I love, there's so much we can talk about. So I'm going to try to try to organize my brain here. So first, <laughs> you know, there's so many directions we can go because it is a different form than the the other memoirs I featured here so far. So Take me back to your first glimmer of the idea that you were going to write something about this. What what did you, when did you start to think I need to write this story? And what did you initially envision would maybe be the form? So I initially decided I was going to write a book about this experience shortly after Ted Kaczynski's arrest. And I was only 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. And even like my high school friends, when I, I went on my book tour, a lot of them came out, which was really great. So I saw friends from Montana. Mm-hmm. I saw friends in California. And they would say like, oh my gosh, you said you were going to write this book. <laughs> and you actually did. Like I said, I was going to go be a singer on a cruise ship. And I never did that <laughs> or something like that. It was so funny. But um, yeah, so... I knew that I always wanted to write it. It was just finding the time in my life to be able to have the privilege to sit down and write. And I think that's important because, you know, there's there's many writers in our community, especially that um, really struggle with the fact that you know, they're not getting it done, they don't have the time, and they're really hard on themselves in those ways. But they're also comparing sometimes to people who 
who have the opportunity to be able to do that. And I feel like, you know, I'm in my 40s and I was finally able to sit down and give this the attention that it needed. Mm -hmm. And not saying that you can't do that, you know, when you have so many different things going on when you're younger, it's just a lot harder, it, it really is. And so, you know, it was just a time in my life where I could finally do that. And then at the same time, I was participating in Unabomber in his own words on Netflix. And when, when I would sit down with the producers, they would just say like, oh my gosh, you have got to finish this book. You know, you're writing this book. You have to tell the story because it is so unique and so different. And so not only I had the time, but then I had the support mm -hmm. of this other community kind of, you know, pushing me along and, and reminding me that my story was important, which a lot of people don't get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then I had, um, you know, there was different things going on in my life. My father had passed away and he was a big part of the investigation and the, even the arrest. And I've always wanted to tell his story. So I kind of felt, I felt him kind of pushing me. And then my, I had lost my sister as well. So I was going through, you know, all the, mm -hmm different phases of grief. And, um, you know, I, I also just, I, I knew that I had to tell this story and this was the time. Um, so yeah, everything just kind of came together mm. and pushed me to do it. I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Was it ever hard when you were sitting in the chair to give interviews and you were sharing for this documentary and you knew that you still had work to do on your own on your own creation, on your own manuscript, did that ever get frustrating for you? Or did you ever feel antsy about it? Yes, it was really hard. And there were definitely things that I didn't share in the documentary that I, I wrote about in the book. And, um, you know, I guess I suppose I had the benefit of knowing I was doing both so mm -hmm. that I could be a little more strategic in what I shared in the film and what I shared on paper. Mm, right. Of course, because you wanted to leave some some details, right, for your own yes. narrative. Yeah, of course. That's really interesting because you wanted to kind of have more in store for the reader so there would be more incentive to read your book. <laughs> exactly. So here's... Now, I have a really organizational kind of black and white mind and in many ways, and I'm dying to know the the fraction of time you spent on memoir and the fraction of time you spent in research and when it all happened, even though I suspect that it probably wasn't as organized as I, I, I myself would hope to be. But did you decide I'm going to go and get all the material researched first, or did you kind of just do what you wanted as it went along? So um, my first, I mean, my first step was, and of course, that the project changed so many times. And of course, with revisions, um, the structure, the timeline, all those things changed. So it was very much different than when I initially started. I mean, I was writing short stories, basically, when mm. when I first started this project. And, you know, when I would sit down to, um, to write my own memories, my, my pieces of childhood, and um, even some, you know, the memories of Ted Kaczynski when I was a little kid, it was just completely stream of consciousness. Like I didn't worry about writing and scene. I didn't worry about dialogue. I was just getting everything 
onto, I say the page, but the computer. And mm-hmm. once I did that, it was much easier for me to really kind of define the project and the timeline and see where I needed to insert my research. And so from that, I was able to plan my interviews and, um, you know, where, where, I, where I knew that the dialogue needed to happen between the FBI agent and I or David Kaczynski and I. And so, you know, after that first initial step of just getting those memories down, it was much easier to, to structure Ah, it seems like it was a gift to yourself to just sit there and and be with your memories and not put a lot of outside pressure on yourself initially. Oh my gosh, it was. And if you're able to do that as a writer, I highly <laughs> recommend it because I was in a place where I'm just I'm just writing and I'm writing it straight from the heart. It's all, you know, those those memories that you haven't thought about for years and years and there's no, there's no worry or concern that people are going to read this. And of course, there are still original sentences <laughs> that mm-hmm. survived through all the revision processes, but it was straight from the heart. And I do think that was, I think it was sort of healing for me. And it was a really Im- important part of the process. So I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't like sit down and say I was going to do it that way. It's just the mm. way it happened. Yeah, that's really fortunate. I like that too, because when I when I think about embarking on a research-braided memoir or any kind of book of research, it really overwhelms me a little bit because how do you even know what chunk to take out, what where to take a bite? You know, there's so much out there, especially now when we have access to so many different bits of information. And did you did you use any books? Other were there braided memoirs or other intimate uh, true crime books that you you referenced at the time for help? Yes. So when when I when I first started writing, I had spoken to a coach briefly, a writing coach briefly, that basically said like this this really can't be done. Though this <laughs> oh great isn't that the perfect thing to say to a writer to get them to do it actually yeah no exactly <laughs> and so I took a few days just like you know when when I would get a rejection like I took a few days to really feel sorry for myself and be, you know like I allow myself to just be in it and be kind of crushed and be, and then after that I was like okay I'm gonna figure this out because I know there is a way and mm-hmm. I didn't give up um, I found another writing coach actually Suzette Mullen from your story finder who was like yeah you can do this <laughs> you can absolutely do this and I read the stranger beside me uh, by Anne rule which was of course her kind of intimate true crime as well about Ted Bundy. Uh, the Fact of a Body was another book that I read that was a braided memoir. And um, I just, I realized this, this can be done. And, you know, the book took me five years to write. And of course, it was um, partly because of the research that I did for it. But it was also because this type of project was a challenge for for me and just a challenge in general because I wanted so much focus on not 
losing my reader in the narrative mm. because there was there was so much information. I mean, mm. going from a childhood scene of mine where, you know, I'm hoping that my reader is is able to place themselves there and see and feel. Definitely. And all I mean, I things. really felt that from the very beginning. I mean, I definitely oh. was there with you. Thank you for saying that. But then to like, to, to place in, you know, a journal entry, for instance, from Ted Kaczynski or um, some sort of outside source material, I really didn't want to lose my reader and confuse my reader. And so that took a lot of, I guess, practice. And I had to learn how to do that, which was hard. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And did that practice and learning how to do that come from reading those other books or getting other readers to check in on your manuscript? How did you learn it? Yeah, I think it was um, definitely from from reading those books. And it wasn't specifically braided, but The Art of Memoir really helped me as well by Mary Carr in, in just craft. And then, yes, I found I had a writer's group. And I'll, I will say to my, my literary agent, Joseph Perry, was so incredible about reading and then giving any sort of feedback and it was my choice to to change it or not but I found that his his advice was really helpful too because he wasn't so close to the story mm. and it was easy it was easy for him to say like oh I think you need to work on you know this section a little bit I'm getting a little bit lost here so yeah it was just really it was community that really helped me and then outside books and then it was my once I figured the, you know, the structure out and I, I found my own voice, then it was really just kind of following my own uh, intuition after that. Mm -hmm. I really like what's coming to me from this conversation that what's really rising to the surface for me right now is that kind of tension uh, between following your instinct and also listening to the readers and the people who can reflect back to you what you've created. But really, I'm, I'm hearing that your instinct was to dive into the personal memories in the beginning and then do the research. And your instinct was to make sure the reader didn't get lost, you know, and, and you followed your instinct. And I think that's incredibly empowering for a writer. Yeah, and I 100% I agree with that. And it's actually so funny because that is the one thing that I wanted people to really hear in my um, panel at Montana Book Festival mm. with Kima is that, you know, no matter what anybody tells you in the beginning, yes, there is wonderful feedback and there are things you should probably listen to from outside readers and even your coaches and your agent. But follow your own gut instinct and 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 that really it served me well and and that that's how I got through the project and why it is where it is at this point you know it's published it's in hands mm -hmm. did you worry aside from not losing your reader and and making sure the information was trackable in the book was there any other area that you felt very worried about in undertaking this form or in this subject I think that beyond just the the craft challenge and pulling the project together, it was the content. It was personally for me having to unearth and I, I knew there would be things that I would discover. And, 
of course, I knew what Ted Kaczynski's crimes were on a national level, but I didn't know what I would find, you know, what was happening in our own shared backyard and how that would affect me. And I think that was a little bit challenging and a little bit scary for me as a person mm-hmm. <laughs> while I was going through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of like suspense and what's going to be behind that door. You know, in Slate, Natish Pawa writes about your book that, quote, the most fascinating thing about Madman is how Jamie Gehring, even while recounting the ways Kaczynski antagonized her family and damaged their business in town, ventures to find the humanity in her former neighbor to even possibly quote, feel a trace of compassion, end quote, for the misanthropic, unapologetic killer. And I wonder, when you began writing the book, if you made a conscious choice to approach Ted Kaczynski with empathy or open-mindedness or a, a balanced sort of outlook, or did you have to push yourself to do that? So when I first started writing this, I knew that I wanted to deliver this story in a very balanced way. And I think it was a combination of, you know, my own kind of soft-hearted childhood memories of Ted, it combined with a respect for his brother, David. And, you know, I, I had a harder time as the as the book progressed and I, (laughs) I couldn't unknow or unsee what I had discovered. And so, you know, it was more, it was more difficult to present it, that story in that light and Ted Kaczynski specifically in that light. And, you know, it, (laughs) looking back on it, I mean, there's, there's still people who will read my book and they're like three chapters in and they're like, Oh, you're, you're too kind. Well, Mm. that's, that is honestly, that's wait until you get a little further on in the book because mm-hmm. it definitely changes. And, and why it sounds like that is because that is, that is just raw honesty. That is how I felt as a little kid. And so mm-hmm. I can't change the way I felt around Ted or, or, you know, I can't change those memories from being little and he, he, him bringing me gifts and things like Mm -hmm. that. Of course, do I, do I look back on those things differently now as an adult? Yes, absolutely. But my job as the, as the writer was to, to tell the story in a, in an honest, vulnerable light and, and to be as balanced as possible So thank you for reading that review from Slate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, also, I think that on a craft level, and you can speak to this too, if you'd like, on a craft level, it's useful to be the memoirist who can portray, I guess, for, for lack of a better word, well, in this case, definitely the antagonist in a way that is even handed, right? I mean, that that helps build sort of, you know, your reliability and trust with the reader. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's a good point. And with anybody, there's those human characteristics. And, you know, Ted was, was a son, he was a brother, he, you know, had these softer moments in even the community of Lincoln. 
And I didn't want to, I didn't want to exclude that part. Although I was telling the story of this perceived, this monster, right? In my Mm. backyard and Mm -hmm. how he terrorized a nation and killed and maimed and um, did horrible things even to my family. But I couldn't leave out, I couldn't leave out those parts. Mm -hmm. And then when, when telling his story and your family's story, how did you help to build a narrative about your own self-discovery? How intentional were you about that? And how much did you discover on the page? Oh, I, I discovered most things on the page, honestly. <laughs> and, um, you know, when I was originally writing this, it didn't start as a memoir. And it was really my agent and then the, I suppose, the producers at the on the Netflix documentary that were pushing to really hear how it made me feel and how it changed me. And it, that took me some time to even consider that that was, that that was important, I guess. Mm. And that that was a story that, that people would be interested in. Mm. And so, yeah, it, it, it took some time. It took a lot of revisions and kind of prompting from outside sources to really share more about what an impact this had on me personally. And so that was definitely, that happened in the five years that of course I had feelings Mm -hmm. about it before, but really expressing that with telling the story happened in the five years that I was writing it. Are you saying in some way it felt awkward or self-conscious to insert yourself into the story? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, it felt like too self-involved. Like, mm-hmm. why, why, do, why, do people, why are people going to care <laughs> what I think about this? And then, of course, as I finished it, it does matter. Because, you know, in reading it, I feel like there's so many people that, you know, of course, they didn't live next to the Unabomber. But so many people are affected by mm-hmm. violence. So many people are affected by grief. I mean, there's such universal themes in this book. And I'm so glad that I wrote about mm-hmm. my own story, my own perspective, because as a writer, that's I I want to touch other people. So yes, I'm so I'm so happy that that's what the end project turned into. Yeah, it's very affirming, too. And I do think that that kind of reminds me of how a lot of us as memoirists can go through the phase of why does my story matter? Uh, Who really wants to know? What if this looks self-serving? But those are all those voices that can come up for memoirists that I hope I hope listening to this interview and, and reading memoirs helps people understand it's it's not it's not a, a self uh, serving exercise. It's really not not when you do it beautifully. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And that's the funny thing. I love reading memoir. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's <laughs> I've gotten reviews, you know, the, the review process can be pretty harsh, but mm-hmm. um you know, there was a very early review that said something about it was well written, but, you know, don't read this unless you just want to read about ordinary people. And <laughs> it kind of like I was like, yeah, the Unabomber, I don't know if that's very ordinary. <laughs> but, you know, it kind of got me in the gut a little bit because it was like, well, 
honestly, like there's so many ordinary people that find themselves in extraordinary circumstances and want to share that with other people that like that. Those are my favorite memoirs. Well, also, that's like I feel like that's what stories are. I feel like that's what the journey of a protagonist, no matter what the genre is, ordinary people trying to figure out how to get out of a difficult situation. I mean, I'm I'm oversimplifying it, but also, you know, on another note that's kind of similar to what we're talking about, you're not writing the the autobiography of Ted Kaczynski. You're writing the effect it had on your family and the nation, right? That's that's what it's about. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So is there anything you would recommend to writers embarking on a braided manuscript or a braided memoir even, you know, or caution them against? I mean, I'll go back to really trusting your gut, knowing that you can do this. It's been done before. I would I would read all the comp titles that, that you can find. <laughs> like I said, the fact of a body was a great one for figuring out how to how to structure some a mm-hmm. project like this. The Stranger Beside Me is great. And it, a great example of narrative nonfiction in, in true crime as well is one that I, I just listened to again, Shadow Man. And that's not a braided memoir, but it's a great example of narrative nonfiction. And honestly, you know, just really, really focusing on not losing the reader and and really honing in on your own voice even even when you're telling the story of another person braided in with yours oh wow that's very powerful i love that that sounds very tricky (laughs) it is but you can do it with practice i promise (laughs) so aside from those true crime books the narrative nonfiction recommendations do you have a few other memoirs that have helped you along the way that you like that you'd like to recommend Absolutely. So you know that I love your book when she comes back. I thought it was, honestly, I thought it was so beautifully written. And um, it was, it was such, it was such a great example of what memoir should be. So I loved yours. And then I'm just sobbing. I'm just gonna wipe the tears (laughs) off. Thank you. And then I just finished Bookends uh, by Zibby Owens. I listened to it on Audible. I really loved that one. Of course, I already mentioned Inside Passage by Kima Waterfield. Mm -hmm. The Babysitter by Liza Rodman and Jennifer Jordan is a really good, um, it's actually uh, what we just called Intimate True Crime, loved it, and Educated by Tara Westover, I love that book, Knocked Down by Aileen Weintraub, and uh, my last one, let's see, You Don't Have to Say You Love Me by Sherman Alexi. Wow, wow, wow. Such a powerhouse group of memoirs. And I've read some of them. And now I want to go and get the rest. (laughs) Yeah. And so let me ask you, do you think you would embark on this type of form again? Like your next book? Are you interested in a braided or, or narrative nonfiction book? I get that question a lot. And I... If I was to like go back in time, like six and a half years and look at what I had ahead of me, I think I would do it again. Um, I, I do. It was, it, it, it like, it really pushed me as of course a debut writer and I learned so much 
And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of that and proud of what I, what I've done. I think that, you know, if, if there's something next for me, um, fiction sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> less, maybe less research, right? Yeah. Fiction sounds great. And then, you know, I've, I have been approached by a few people that have experienced true crime in their own lives and, um, have always wanted to tell their story and, you know, asked me if I, I might co-author something. Um, so, so we'll see, we'll see. Mm, yeah, that seems like a whole nother challenge, but interesting. Now, Jamie, you've, you've offered so many, so many great titles that people can check out and you've offered so many pearls of wisdom along the way throughout this whole interview. But I always ask my guests if there's one last piece of advice or anything else you'd like to reiterate for writers of memoir that you can leave us with. I really think it's about, you know, believing in yourself, believing in your story and and like I've shared um, in a pretty vulnerable way, I really wish that I would have, you know, if I could go back, I would be more confident about my own story and what I had to share and, um, you know, and, and not let a review like, you know, if you like the story of an ordinary person, sure, read this, affect me because we all have stories and they are all important. And so I, you know, I just, I would love to reiterate that and um, save you from your own, from your own questioning. Oh, yes. Yes. I feel like I, I need to remember that myself sometimes. And I don't think we can say it enough. I think it's really important for us when we're working in this, in this genre, especially. Jamie, Thank you. Thank you for making the time after such a busy period of travel and appearances. And thank you for writing this book. And I'm so happy you were my guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait for the next conference where I get to hug you. Oh, yes, me too. And also, I forgot to say, can you shout out where people can find you? Where's the best, you know, links and stuff? Oh, absolutely. So I'm all over the internet. If you on <laughs> Facebook, Jamie Gehring author on Instagram, Jamie Gehring author. I'm on Twitter a little bit. Also through my website, you can contact me directly at jamiegehring.com. And the, that has all the links to, to purchase my book in all forms. And it, oh, I do want to share too that it's on Audible, and I got the part to narrate the book. So <laughs> you can hang out with me for close to ten hours in your living room if you oh, want. Oh wow! To. Well, I love listening to you talk. I think that would be a lovely audiobook. But yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, and I'll put all those links as always in the show notes so people can click on those and find the memoirs and the books that you recommended there as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being my guest. Absolutely, thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk Memoir. For more about this episode and my guest, please visit the link in the show notes or on Instagram at Ronit Plank. That's R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. If you liked this episode of Let's Talk Memoir, please go ahead and share it with your friends and subscribe. And if you have two more seconds, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, which really does help other people find the show. Thank you so much for being here.